Welcome to episode 61 of On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast. The Ohio, Ohio Hockey Digest is the foremost location for hockey in Ohio, covering every level played from youth and high school to juniors, college, and pro. Articles written to keep the hockey community up to date on all the happenings with hockey in Ohio. My name is Tim Sullivan. I'm joined, as always, by Jason Lewandowski, Scott Harrington, and producer Dan Humphrey. With On Air, we are bringing you the fresh content and adding voices, names, and faces to interesting people making the Ohio hockey community better. This episode of the Ohio Hockey Digest On Air podcast is brought to you by Athletic Performance Insight. APIs, easy-to-use, affordable technology, designed specifically for amateur hockey, provides every team the opportunity to benefit from video and analytics. Teams use API app to track events in real time. Event data is used to generate reports and simplify video review. Athletic Performance Insight, amateur hockey, elite technology, professional results. Go to athleticperformanceinsight.com today to learn more about this tool and view a demo video. Well, last week, boys, we had a great talk with former NHLer, enforcer, and current Columbus Blue Jackets broadcaster Jody Shelley. But we had some obvious questions for Jody about his time playing with the Blue Jackets and his transition in broadcasting. We also had a chance to get into his start in the Quebec League, uh, his time in jo- uh, Johnstown with the Chiefs, who owns, and some of the new- nuances of the roles of fighting in the game of hockey that still endure today, through, uh, although it is becoming somewhat of a lost art. I thought talking to Jody was a phenomenal uh, uh, talk, listening to what he had to say, his start. I like the fact that he was a player. He didn't want to fight. Um, funny story, did not know this, but I was talking with Toledo um, walleye head coach yesterday, Dan Watson, and they were roommates in uh, East Coast League. Where did they play? No, no, I'm sorry, Syracuse, oh. when they played in Syracuse. So it was like a kind of like an apartment building style. So it was like one room here, one room here. And then I think there was like a common area. So I was telling him that we had Jody on the uh, show and he was like, oh my gosh, you know, him and I spent a lot of time in uh, Syracuse together. So he did say this. He said that Jody Shelley um, is a guy and it probably, I mean, he wouldn't have bragged about himself, but this is worth noting uh, from Dan Watson. He said that Jody Shelley, when he got to camp in Syracuse, uh, realized that his skating ability was less uh, than what everyone else was. So he would work with the skating coach every single day to get better. He's like, Tim, this guy worked outworked everybody in the Syracuse organization. That's how guys get to the professional level. You want to know the difference between an amateur and a professional on the golf course, other guys outwork the other guys. For the guys who stay in the East coast league and the ones who worked their way up to 16 years in the NHL or whatever it was he played. Yeah. Truth. Truth. But I mean, what were your thoughts, Scott? I was just fun talking to him. He's a fun guy to talk to. All, all the guys who have good stories about fights, they're always fun to talk <laughs> to. Right. Um, but I thought, yeah, I thought it was interesting. It's it's uh, interesting to talk to a guy like that who well, the game has changed and his role doesn't really exist anymore. So it was interesting to get his take on it. Um, and then, uh, you know, going into broadcasting, I, I expected him when I, we asked if it was awkward ever seeing guys, you know, that you harassed on the ice, I expected it. Now it's part of the game. Cause I've seen guys go toe to toe at center ice and then go out for dinner after. Cause their, their girlfriends were, you know, roommates in college or something like that. But he said, actually on a couple of occasions, it was pretty awkward. And he had to apologize to one guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do he say? He went too far with some comments. And so he apologized to the guy and the yeah. guy 
Uh, no, it's all good. Now, I think the one of the cool things was, you know, I, I find it odd to ask a guy whose role was fighting. Like, what did you think about it? Well, it paid me. It got me here. It's not a, you know, I was the guy that beat people up. That was that just in the job description. That's not what they really do. I mean, they, you know, you, you talk, you know, he spoke about our, uh, his conversation with uh, Mike Rupp when Rupp was infamously mic'd up and all that. Well, that's just like, that's, that's the game they have to play. You know, they have to police the area so the stars can shine, if you will. And if somebody's going to take liberties, well, now, you know, why did, uh, why did the Rangers go out and get Ryan Reeves? The exact same reason. Yeah. I mean, right. And, and, and in the quote unquote new NHL, if you will, Ryan Reeves can put up points yet Ryan Reeves on the ice. Are they going to still take that many liberties with uh, Panarin and, and Lafreniere? And I mean, I know Lafreniere can pretty much handle himself, but. And I think it's more impressive that, I mean, he won more than he lost for sure, but he didn't win them all. Oh, Jody. Yeah. No, he admitted that too. He said, he said he didn't win one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I don't know about that, (laughs) but still to go out and do that when you're, you know, like, you you know, George LaRock or something like that, you're like, eh. (laughs) <laughs> this might not end well, but <laughs> does it anyways. But that's part of the role he has to play. And that probably fires up his teammates just as much when he goes out there and, yeah. you know, takes a couple on the button just, you know, to try to get the job done and get people fired up. The the, the two stories that I really enjoyed him, him talking about was one, how he said, like, you know, the place is packed. You're down two goals out of the rip. And then, boom, you got to go out and do your thing to get the guys going. And, you know, they, they start getting in, in back into it. Um, but, you know, it, it, him talking about never fighting and just wanting to be a player and then understanding what it takes to play at this level, to do anything. I I don't know too many players out there that would make that switch and say, well, this is going to get me in the league. Uh, I'm going to like have to get my brains beat in every night, but I'm going to be in the league. I know a lot of guys are probably like, you know what? I I may go over to Europe. I may go do this. I may go do that. I mean, sometimes it's not in people's uh, uh, makeup. I get that. You know what I mean? But, you know, he, uh, uh, that just was, I mean, for me, that was not commendable, but it was like, okay, this guy had, this guy had, he had it in his mind that he wanted to play in the NHL no matter what, no matter what. So that was the way he was going to get there. Yeah. I mean, how many guys do you see maybe have a good junior career, have a good uh, uh, NCAA career and they don't amount or they, they never make it to the National Hockey League? Maybe they were, it just, they were a dime a dozen. Maybe they weren't willing to adapt to certain things. Maybe the work ethic was good enough for one level, not the other, but there are guys out there that, you know, that's why they say, if you go to a camp and you're going to a a junior camp, you may run into a kid that's 19 years old and his next option is pumping gas at the local gas station. What do you think he's going to do? He's going to throw that elbow in your, in your nose, bust it wide open because he doesn't want to go back there. So, right, right. Well, uh, this week we will talk to the latest player to commit to a nationally ranked women's team at Ohio State. And it's another player developed right here in Ohio. Alana GM Petro from Gilmore Academy will join us in today's show. But before we get to that, how's everyone's week been? What's going on? Uh, Danny, we're going to start with you right off the rip. Um, today's probably the first day. Can you hear me? Yeah, but you're, you're freezing. It's, is it cold in your house? For our listeners, 
we all come to one place now and record a studio. Danny, Danny doesn't like us anymore. He does not come. Is it because of the COVID, Dan? Are you scared? No, it is uh, because I worked probably about 80 hours last week um, and didn't get to see my family that much. So even though I get to see your lovely faces on the screen, I'm, I'm still around Emmett right now. Um, so, you know, those 3000 Chromebooks that we spent all summer collecting. Yes. In a day, they're just back out there in the general public, just probably getting all broken and just fucked up back out there. You uh, you got a frustrated there, Dave? Welcome to the family show. Holy yeah, yeah. I mean, a little bit because it, you know, you get teachers yelling at you that they need these Chromebooks and students' hands, and what was like a three month process to try to organize it, and make it as smooth as possible, just gets blown up in less than twelve hours. So, so, so you're saying the new job's going well? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, no complaints. No complaints. Love, have, you, have you had a chance to get out to the garden and like unwind a little bit? Um, I do when I get home. The wife makes fun of me because last week it's pitch black and I'm out there with my flashlight checking on my cucumbers and a headlamp, making sure everything's good to go. But do, have you have you uh, um, you've obviously picked a bunch of stuff and, and eaten it and all that stuff, but. Uh, so this is like second grow. I don't, don't even ask what I'm doing over here, guys. This is, this thing broke <laughs> on me. It's, it's a hand, it's the hand sanitizer, whatever this wipe thing. And the, the freaking thing just broke and spilling all over me. Go ahead, Dan. Sorry. <laughs> um, I, I lost my train of thought there. <laughs> Did you, is this the second crop? Like, have you already picked a bunch of stuff? Yeah, I already picked a bunch of stuff. This is the second go round. Um, I don't know why the, the cucumbers are popping off. So it's like every other day I got three or four cucumbers. So what do you do with the cucumbers? You make like cucumber salad. You make, uh, um, Denise will make the, the Polish cucumbers, cut them up real fine with some onions and sour cream and vinegar. Yes. And it will just eat them just like it's an ear of corn. That's, what uh, is she That's nice. I, that sounds good. It does. I'm being dead serious too. It's phenomenal. Hey, there, there's a, there's a tequila drink called the El Guapo that you use limes and cucumbers. It's absolutely phenomenal. They had, we were in, uh, what state were we in there uh, with the Arches National Park, New Mexico, is it? I forget where we were. Anyway, they had uh, cucumber flavored Gatorade. The only place I've ever seen that. And that was about the most refreshing thing after a day of hiking. Was it any good? It was fantastic. Was it really? Yeah. I guess cucumber water is good. Yeah. Yeah. Just to eat them just with a little, just to gently salt them just a little oh, bit. Yeah. yeah. You know what I like them on? I like them on those little, uh, little rye bread, little toast things. You put a little cream cheese on there, put a little dill on top of it. It's a good little appetizer, you know? Mm-hmm. I like it in tequila with lime. A couple <laughs> dashes of hot sauce. El Guapo. What else you got popping off over there, D? Uh, we got some, obviously some tomatoes coming in. Uh, my zucchinis haven't done anything, but I just checked them and it looks like we got a couple, couple growing. Um, Kyle Robbie is doing well. Who? I was going to say, how's, how's this game? How's this golf game? Kyle Robbie? How's this uh, golf game going? <laughs> He's Swedish, you know, right? You've never had Kyle Robbie? It's like a mix of a cabbage and a radish. It's phenomenal. Bring some in. Oh, wait, you don't come in. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm just going to mute myself then. So uh, 
you guys enjoy enjoy the rest of the show <laughs> love what's going on with you since we just lost dan oh man let me tell you i was on my way in tonight and i'm driving on the one local highway and some days when i'm at work it's not an unusual to i don't know i work outside a lot and it's not unusual you know you smell a few things like oh I, I forgot to put deodorant on today or something you know along those lines so i'm coming on a highway today i was taking the 176 in today and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. There's no way. I, I was just at home. I, I, I cleaned myself up. Scott, so, Scott, we, we might be in trouble in this small room some, where, where this I'm, is going. I'm, no, no. You have no idea. I had no idea this was where it's going to go. So I'm driving. I'm like, what the hell is that? I'm like, all right, all right. I'm sniffing myself. It's nothing. All right. It's not me. I don't know what the hell that smell is, but it stinks. So a car gets out of the way. I come up a little bit behind this this uh, semi truck, if you will. It looked like a uh, one of the trucks that picks up a dumpster, right? So I'm like, oh, okay, that's what it is. So when you're on the 176 and you're coming closer to Cleveland, uh, you tend to hit the brakes around this hour that we come in to do this show. So the guy hits the brakes. <laughs> yeah. By the way, this is funny because uh, I'll tell this, the brake story later. Four. Four things fell out of the back of the truck, landed on the road. So I'm thinking, oh, maybe they didn't fall out of the truck. Maybe the guy ran them over. It looks like roadkill. I'm like, now I'm right behind this truck at a dead stop. Can't go anywhere. I'm like, there's no way. That thing stinks like hell. There's no way. I look, and you know how some of those, they, they have an arm that will like help the, the dumpster get up onto the, yeah. the flatbed? Okay. There was three prongs hanging off the arm. Okay. And as I pat, or actually he went to get off early and I went around him rooster dead, dead rooster. So what I passed on the highway, dead birds. So he was going somewhere to dump this stuff. And I'm going, what are the chance? I didn't even know they did this. Where was he coming from? Right. Well, I, I don't know. I don't know. All I know is I was heading toward Cleveland. As Dan told us, you should put those around dogs next. Yeah, let so. me tell you what that dog will not. I, I'm, Dan, I now know what it smells like. No way. The dog will go nowhere near it. I know. Now and I know. And you add that it was like 92% humidity today. Oh, that thing was just nice and moist and oh, cooking. And oh, yeah. It's stewed. It's stewed in the back of that bed of that. Tr- oh, stop it. It's gross. Yeah, that's about it, though. <clears throat> Otherwise, uh, you know, went up to see uh, uh, what's uh, the band or one of our favorite. Oh, Barbie and the Rock or no, Bambi and the Rockers. Bambi and the Rockers. Yeah. We were up in Buffalo seeing Bambi and the Rockers last weekend. Oh, Buffalo. They put on a good show over there at the, uh, what, what's the name of that? Uh, uh, the one that not the anchor bar is that the anchor bar? The one yeah, with the wings, yeah, yeah the yeah, anchor yeah, bar. It was right down the street from there. So, other than that, man, I got nothing else. Well, we uh, we drove up to, to, to Buffalo, as Jay said, and, and it was funny because oh, Jay was driving, and I thought Jay was going to put the car uh, off the road because people were driving, and then all of a sudden they just jammed their brakes on into the into the vineyard, though. Yeah, well, yeah, we definitely just go in the vineyards, but just put their brakes on instead of just like taking your foot off the gas and slowing it down heavy brake. And he, he was just kept hitting the brakes, screaming. It was very unenjoyable uh, two and a half hour ride for me. Danny, when you're <clears> driving, <throat> when you're driving and you see somebody start hitting the brakes, you don't have to jam your brakes on. All that's going to do is ruin your brakes, create friction and tension with the struts, the rotors and whatever else. I know nothing about cars, the pads, the pads. Yeah. Those are the other ones. All you need to do is let off the gas pedal calipers. Calipers, yeah. Calipers. You need some cal. You need some work on the calipers. How much you bench? Um, 
we turn into an auto show all of a sudden <laughs> guys that know not a damn thing about automotives but yeah you just ease off the gas pedal please oh scott did you have uh any dead roosters come at you no I had a busy weekend though well jeff well friday was out for the dude the rock I'm, show i was so here's the thing he he texts me friday night well you texted me a question about the show i don't know okay and then were you drinking yeah, I well, I no, even know I even know that you. It was <laughs> it was it was Motley Crue, right? Yeah, it was supposed to be Motley Crue and Ozzy. The Ozzy guy didn't show up. No, so it was just <laughs> eating too many Mo- bad Motley bats. Crue <laughs> Motley Crue tribute band. Yeah, was it packed? Uh, it wasn't. There were I think there were more people for the Elton John uh, Billy Joel. How but how it, was they were, that? They were. I got to be honest, they weren't bad. So I tell him about this the the rocket on the river out and. Uh, Lorraine, he's been out there more times than I have now. Well, twice. I've only been out there once this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so this this Friday, though, this Friday is the third, correct? This Friday, a uh, a band is going to be, it's called Escape, and they're playing at County Fair, the County Fairgrounds, Kyle County Fairgrounds for the Oktoberfest. You got to see this band play. You would think that... Uh, Steve Perry is up on stage. If you if did you they, were did they play the House of Blues before? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. No, I was there with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, it's unbelievable. Yeah. This guy's unbelievable. His, his theatrics are all. I mean, he's on point, but his voice is on point. He was a little, a little bit of a weird dude, but sings like a. a, a canary. So it's a tribute band. It's not a cover band. I had a conversation with somebody about the difference. A cover band is like the three of us would go up, and I know the chords to some Van Halen songs, and we, you know, do that. A tribute band is like they dress up like them. Right. I would. I would. They, 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 they kind of think they're right. Motley Crew. Well, this Queen band that was out of uh, California that came in into Cleveland. I swear, I think they thought they were. I yeah. think the guy thought he was Freddie Mercury. Yeah. I wear assless chaps like David Lee Roth. <laughs> Can I front that? I mean, it was. It was. It was. It was. Strange. I mean, like they literally walked him down, like with the uh, flashlights off the steps, like you were, like he was Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Where were we at? Some Irish place one time and uh, zoo station or something. They were a U2 tribute band and the guy looked dead on for the edge. And then there was the guy thought he was Bono and they had these chandeliers hanging down right near their stage where they were playing. And he would take them and swing them and they had to tell them to stop that they could break. Right. Well, uh, Although school is in session, let's see what's in the news of the Ohio Hockey Digest. The possibility of a USA-Canada gold medal game at the long-awaited IIHF Women's World Championships still exists. The U.S. faced Finland today, Monday, and won 3-0, and Canada will go up against Switzerland 7 p.m. on Monday in the semifinal round. Former Ohio State Buckeye Emma Malte dressed in three of the first five games for Canada while former Ohio State Blue Liner, Jincy Dunn, had collected a pair of assists in four games for Team USA. Games are being played in empty arenas in Calgary. You remember the tournament was initially supposed to be in Nova Scotia, but was called off due to COVID. On the men's side, Denmark, Slovakia, and Latvia grabbed the final three spots in the men's Olympic hockey tournament by winning qualifying tournaments last week. The 12-team field will also include the top eight countries in the IIHF world rankings, along with host China. Blue Jackets forward Oliver Bjorkstrand helped the Danes qualify, while Columbus teammate Alexander Texier and the French team failed to secure a spot. Other NHL players like Andrzej Kopitar, Matt Zuccarello, 
and Nikola, Nikolai Ehlers participated in the Olympic qualifiers. But as of today, the NHL does not have an agreement in place to send players to Beijing for the games. Do you guys think the National Hockey League players should be allowed to play in these games and the NHL players should go to the Olympic Games? Well, I think they should go to the Olympic Games if it's not going to be amateur only, but the NHL won't let them go anymore, right? Well, they, they haven't decided if they're going or not. Isn't it an, isn't it an insurance issue? Uh, I think they probably make enough money on it to uh, insure the players when they go over there. I, that's the hesitancy of the owners of allowing them yes. to go is that guys are going to get hurt while they're yes. there. I mean, the, I mean, the, to keep the, I mean, the Olympics were, were started before any pro sport was ever in came around, you know, so to, to keep the, the integrity of the Olympics, if it's supposed to be the best players in the world competing, well, if they play in the, I mean, there was MLB guys that went over and played this summer. You know, there was pro basketball players that went over and played tennis pros, volleyball pros. You know, why, why is our game going to shut our guys down from competing at, you know, the highest level uh, in, in the world? I don't know. I hope they don't do it. I hope they allow them to go. I understand that there's, I understand that, you know, I mean, Kevin Durant could have blown out his ACL mm-hmm. over there, but he was over there playing. I think it's, uh, it comes down to money. If they can make, if they're going to make money doing it, they'll do it. You know, especially with the, the hit they took with COVID. Right. And with it being in China, there's always talk about opening up that market for what the NBA did it big time. Huge. And uh, there's a lot of money to be made over there. Politics aside. For the NHL to make more of an imprint in the world, in the world stage, uh, they definitely need to let them go. <clears throat> and why not? These guys want to play for their countries. Go. Go, let him go. The Carolina Hurricanes signed to Montreal Canadian center Kasperi Kotkaniemi to an offer sheet over the weekend, giving Montreal until Saturday, September 4th, to decide whether or not to match the one-year $6.1 million deal that would put them about $2 million over the salary cap. In 2019, the Canadians signed Carolina star center Sebastian Ajo to an offer sheet that the Hurricanes quickly matched. If there was any question that the Kotkaniemi sheet was retribution carolina gm don waddell gave the same exact quote that montreal's mark bergevin did two years ago uh when they announced the offer sheet and the contract terms included a 20 dollars signing bonus aho wears number 20 for the canes i think this is awesome <laughs> it's great uh, bad blood is great on the ice it's good off the ice too <laughs> i think it's i think it's hilarious gamesmanship I think it's great that this kind of stuff is going on. I don't know whether it's good for them to match or not. So he's not worth anywhere near that much money right now. So uh, I think Montreal probably will just let him have him. That's the only way they can get back at him, really. He says, okay, you want him? Yeah. Here, spend $6 million on him. Yeah. But then they're kind of screwed because they, they, they're thin down the middle. But uh, Oh, Montreal? Yeah. Montreal's thin in the GM box, too. They're thin everywhere. Well, between that, between uh, – Price coming back from injury. Shea Weber's done. The controversy with their first round pick. It's uh, it's been a, a rough off season for the Montreal for well, Lace Habitant. And Carolina has not exactly had a banner off season either. Well, I want to know if they could scrounge up six million bones for the offer sheet. Why couldn't they keep Dougie Hamilton? But right, 
Or Alex Nedeljkovic. Or Alex Nedeljkovic. They, well, they clearly had something against Ned. We don't know what it was. Yeah, I don't, I've never seen I don't it. think they like their entire goaltending court. Scott, right, you, they you, swapped them all out. Yeah. You, you, that, that just that fires you up more than anything. Is, is I don't get it. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. Actually, for the listening audience, when Alex was uh, traded to Detroit or picked up by Detroit, um, we had texted each other and said, Ned's going to Detroit. And Scott text right back and said, that makes no sense. <laughs> what do they have against him? <laughs> Why do they not like Alex? Yeah. Well, we'll see if they're right. Maybe, maybe what we should do is we should send that truck down to uh, Carolina that you saw on the highway today with, oh, the, with the roosters kind of go spread it around there. Just kind of little get back <clears throat> on episode 59 Cincinnati Cyclones head coach, Matt Thomas told us about some of the exciting players signings he has made as the team prepares to return to the ice after 18 months of being shut down. Last week, the, the clones signed a few more players, including Westchester, Ohio, native Jason Tackett. Tackett played two seasons with the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets 18U team prior to his four-year NCAA career at Ferris State. Tackett remembers going to the Cyclones game as a kid and seeing them win championships in 2008 and 2010. He played in the Southern Professional Hockey League last season, putting up 36 points in just 26 games. Twice, he was named Southern Professional Hockey Player of the Week, and he helped the Macon Mayhem advance to the league's championship round. I wonder what it would be like playing in Macon, Georgia, for the Mayhem. How about when they were called the Whoopi? Yeah. Even better. The Macon Whoopi. Whoopi. The Macon Whoopi. Why did right. they change their name? I don't know. Why, why, we, why do we have the, or why do we have the Guardians? Well, no, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's true. Making Whoopi so much better. But we did so I'm told. Yeah, well, yeah. I'll be back in two and two. <laughs> Woolery, I love it. What? Because uh, when we were doing some news like episodes ago, like episode 10 or whatever, they were called the Making Whoopi. Uh, I remember we were talking about some, the Making Whoopi. I don't some, know if it was. No, somebody played. News, somebody though. played for them. Yeah, I think somebody. Oh, maybe that's that. what it was. Somebody, You're right. Somebody yeah. played for them. I think they yeah. changed the name a while back. Wasn't it like. Um, I don't want to say the name because uh, if I'm wrong, I'm just going to hear about it. But uh, Starman. Was it was Dave, Dave Starman it that Dave, was telling us? Dave that told us about it, making Whoopi? It might have been where he got his start in coaching. Oh, oh my gosh. Look at that. Look at that. Like a steel trap you are. You're yeah. like a steel trap. With up we got it. We got to see what Dave's up to because he's it's coming right now. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah. This yeah. is probably his uh, busy time of year. Probably talking to all the coaches and doing all his research and getting ready for the, I think they found him in the locker room at uh, UND <laughs> <laughs> trying to find me a hooded sweatshirt. <laughs> so, all right. We did have a news item here about Gilmore 16 U star Elena Giampietro switching her commitment from Providence college to the Ohio state university. But why read it when we can get the scoop right from the player herself. Let's get on air with Alana GM Petro. The second period of this episode of Ohio Hockey Digest on air podcast is brought to you by the Ohio Hockey Project, Northeast Ohio's leader in player development and advancement. Take your training to the next level this offseason with the Ohio Hockey Project. Visit www.ohiohockeyproject.com to learn about fall drop-in sessions currently taking place at four locations across the region. It was just four episodes ago that we heard from Sophie Bellina, a goaltender from Northeast Ohio, who will be moving to play NCAA Division I hockey at Rochester Institute of Technology. 
Well, there was another exciting college commit last week as Alana Giampietro from the Gilmore Gladiators U16 team announced that she'll be taking her talents to Columbus and joining the nationally ranked women's team at the Ohio State University. We immediately reached out to Alana and we were thrilled that she agreed to come on our show this week to tell us about her time at Gilmore, her performance at the USA Hockey Nationals with the Gilmore Gladiators and her recent experience at the U.S. Hockey U18 selection camps and the prospect of becoming a Buckeye in 2022. Please welcome on air, Alana Giampietro. Welcome. Thanks for having me. No problem. Thank you. <laughs> We're really laughing because of the name. I'm sorry, because we keep screwing it up. No, it's okay. That's all right. It doesn't, that doesn't matter. We know who we're talking to. We know where you are. We can see you right now. It's fantastic. What's, what's your nickname? G. G? Yeah. We're going to go with that. All right, G. Perfect. G, uh, first of all, thanks for joining us. Congratulations again on your commit to the Buckeyes of Ohio State. We love to hear Ohio uh, players stay in Ohio and playing for like Miami or Ohio State. So congratulations on that. And uh, go, go Bucks. Uh, let's, oh, talk yeah. a bit, let's talk a little bit about uh, how, how long have you played the game? How long have you played for Gilmore? What other teams or youth organizations, youth organizations did you play for before that? Um, so I've been playing for about 14 years now. Um, I played for Cleveland Barons. Um, I played boys for Garfield Heights and then also for Cleveland Heights. So, and then now I'm playing for Gilmore. So you started off by playing with the boys and, and then when did you make that transition of playing just uh, on an all girls team? Um, so I played both actually from U12 to U or U10 to U12. And then I made the switch at U12 to play all girls up until now. So, okay. What team will you be playing for this year? Uh, the U19 Gilmore Lancers. Awesome. Ooh, the 19th, huh? So 2021 USA hockey, 16 U nationals, big year for the gladiator 16 team winning the mid-am district qualifying USA hockey nationals. What do you think made this team different from others you've played on? Um, the family aspect. I mean, we were all together as one right from the get-go. There's no clicks. There's no nothing. You know, we we were always there for each other. And the atmosphere on the ice was different than any other year. Well, all right. You're, you're, was it uh, Shauna that coached you on that? Yes. Awesome. I remember seeing the picture after you guys won, and she looked like she either was telling somebody that a touchdown was scored I don't think her hands could have got any higher up into the air. No, that picture will go down in history. Oh, oh, without a doubt. This team that you guys taught that you just spoke about is a majority of that team moving up to the U19 level with you. Um, there's a couple of us. The rest of them are still going to be on the 16s this year. Okay. I just read this and I apologize. This is the first time I read this today. You scored eight of the 10 goals for Gilmore at nationals. Yes. Including a five goal game. Five spot. <laughs> yeah. Oh, not, I don't want to quote somebody else. Not, not a big deal. She says it. So matter of factly, it's just hey, whatever. I mean, I, I'm not a goal scorer. I don't know what that's like. What was that feeling like when you hit your fifth? Um, it was, it was surreal. I mean, just being there that whole weekend was, uh, something you, you know, dreamed about. I mean, obviously the first two games didn't go the way we wanted to, but the last game, everyone was up. And even though it was our last game, you know, it felt, it felt so good. So let me ask you a question. Obviously you had a five point night or five goal night, excuse me. Um, how would you describe your play? How would you describe you as a player? Are you finesse? Are you heavy in the corners? Are you the pass first? Are you, are you just look at me right square in the face and go, I'm a goal scorer. Shut up. 
Which one yeah. is it? You know, I'm a, a little bit of a goal scorer and, you know, getting down dirty in the corners, trying to get win the battles. <laughs> and so what, like, were you just like having your way with these players? I mean, obviously you guys had a good showing there and you just ran through people, huh? Yeah, it felt different that game. So a performance like that, obviously on a national stage attracts attention. Were you approached by USA Hockey at that event, or had you already been invited to the 18th Select uh, Development Camp? Um, I had, I believe I had a tryout before Nationals, and I got the call after Nationals, like a couple months later, saying I got selected to go to that camp. And how how were the how was the Nationals attended? I mean, were there scouts, colleges, uh, institutions just all over the glass watching you guys play? Yeah, there is there is a bunch on the glass. Is that intimidating or is that like, this is it. This is, this is the moment to shine. Let's go do it. Obviously a five point, a five goal night. Yeah. Obviously you took the bull by the horns on that one, but what is, what is the, what you step on the ice, you look around one, you're at nationals. Holy crap. Two, you see the clientele that's in the stands and you're like, all right, this is for real. What goes through your head going into those games? Uh, I love the pressure. So, you know, I'm, I'm nice and chill when it comes to, you know, having a lot of people in the stands. So it doesn't, it doesn't phase me. That's that easy, huh? Yeah. Not a big deal again. Hey, oh, <laughs> this is easy. Nice. So, well, when we talked looking uh, at the U18 select camp, now we talked to Annie Fitzgerald uh, previously, and she said, you know, she kind of felt like going from a big fish in a small pond in Ohio out to the nationals. It was a whole different level and it was a little intimidating. Uh, what was your, what was your feeling about it? Um, I'd have to agree with the big fish and in a bigger bowl, but, um, it was, it was good to be with the best players in the country and to compete against them. So initially you were in St. Cloud in July with, uh, the top 72 U18 players and you were playing up an age bracket, I think, right? Uh, yes. Okay. Um, and then there was another camp in Blaine, Minnesota in August. Was, was that just like the second you made the first cut and this was the next part of the process or what was going yeah, on? Yeah. So the second camp in Blaine was festival. And this is where you could be selected to make the U18 team that goes to Sweden in January. Okay. And we also want to note that uh, Layla Edwards of Cleveland Heights was there uh, playing with you. Have they named that team yet? What, when does that happen? Um, November they're naming the team. They're naming the team in November. You can break the news now if you want to, I'm sure you know something. Let's go. No, I don't know anything. Okay. <laughs> Well, good luck. We'll be, uh, we'll be crossing our fingers. Absolutely. Thank you. So, uh, G, I'm going to ask you, uh, I don't know this, you know, I don't know if our listeners know, but they will know, uh, you were originally committed to Providence college. Yes. Um, and then, uh, you decommitted or whatever may, and then you committed to Ohio state. What made you rethink your decision, uh, from Providence and then, uh, decide that Ohio state was a better fit? Um, it's always been a dream. Obviously, living in Ohio, you bleed star scarlet and gray. And um, when they reached out, I was like, this isn't real. Um, it's It's been my dream to go to OSU. And I wanted to fulfill that dream, not only academically, academically but athletically. Okay. So I was actually with uh, a family that you know, um, the Sestillo family, the, the day that you uh, were going to commit to Providence. So uh, when uh, I heard you were coming on, I didn't realize that you committed to uh, Ohio State's. So I said to uh, uh, Scott Harrington here, I said, oh, yeah, she went to Providence. No, Ohio State. I'm like, no, 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 it's Providence. So, but anyhow, congratulations to that. Um, in hindsight, do you think it was too early to commit to Providence? 
Um, I definitely do think it was a little bit early because I didn't have what I wanted to, you know, decide. But I mean, I visited Providence and I fell in love with their campus. But I mean, definitely could have waited a little bit longer for OSU to come along. Right. So with that being said, what advice would you give to other players uh, around your age or going through the similar situation that have these decisions to make? You know, what advice would you give to some of those players? Um, take it all in and really weigh in all your options. Get on campus before you decide because you ultimately want that place you pick to be your second home. So Ohio State University, do you have any Buckeyes in your family or is this just something that you've just always been a Buckeye and, and living here in Ohio and this is where a dream of yours? Yeah, it's always been a dream. Do you have any uh, family members that went to Ohio State? Uh, no. Oh, it's going to be the first one. All right. Um, it, it's great seeing such an elite NCAA women's program drawing players right here from Ohio. And like for us here in Cleveland with Lindsey Wallace and Lauren Bernard, uh, they joined the podcast and talked to us. Um, when we talked about Lauren's transfer to Ohio state for next season, what are the most, what are you most looking forward to when you get down to Columbus in the fall of 2022? The compete level. What about it? Just being with, you know, the best of the best uh, girls that played for the national team and, you know, coming back to Ohio State to, you know, wear scarlet and gray. And and I don't want to backtrack, but <clears throat> how, how many other places had you looked at before making your decision on, on, on a college and then finally the college? Um, around five or six. You can name drop. Which ones? Um, Brown University. Um, I've talked to Yale. Um, RPI, um, Holy Cross. Wow. Good for you. And I think, I think what our listeners, and, and again, I, I don't, I, I know this now because you named all those schools, but our listeners, you understand that there's probably one big common denominator here and it's, and it's athletics, hockey, which you're very talented at, but also the classroom work as well. Right. And, and, you know, I've, we've spoke to a lot of college recruiters uh, that have come in and they said the thing that separates athletes at a high level are their classroom habits. So though, though that list of, of schools that you named is a very impressive list. Thank you. So what, uh, my mind just went blank. I apologize. <clears throat> um, well, obviously back to routine schools in session. What is your day like after such an eventful summer? Um, going back to school, you mean? Yes, ma'am. So going, we, sometimes we have 6am practices. So we'll hop on the ice at 6am and go till seven and then we'll hit school around eight, um, full day of classes until three twenty, And then we'll hit the gym right after. Sometimes our practices are right after school as well. So very hectic, hectic day coming out of school and then going right on the ice and in the weight room. Do you, do you attend Gilmore? Yes. Okay. And what, I mean, are, are you happy to be back in that routine? Yes, I missed it so much. Did you really? I mean, yeah. I'd imagine seeing as, as you were gone, you know, most of your summer playing and, and doing other things and traveling. But um, what drew you to Gilmore Academy? Um, just uh, Coach Shauna, obviously. She's been a huge role in my hockey career thus far. And, you know, the school, she, it's a really good school. So that, that also drew me. So what other, what other hobbies do you have? I mean, goal scoring and what else? What else do you like to do for what else besides scoring goals do you like to do for fun? Um, I play softball as well. Okay. Did you play this summer at all or did you not have a chance? Uh no, I, I stopped playing last summer. 
Oh. But you play for Gilmore, though? Yeah. Okay. So I want to talk to you a little bit about the women's game here. And, uh, you know, obviously you're going to head off to Ohio State. You're going to do great things at Ohio State. You're going to do great things in your hockey career. Uh, what would you like to see and how could you contribute to the growth of women's hockey here in Cleveland? Like whether it be at the youth level, whether it be maybe get another high school. I mean, like you have on the West side of Cleveland, you've got Magnificat or St. Joe's all girls school that, you know, what, what would you like to see the state of the women's game grow to? Obviously more girls coming in to play. I mean, yeah, hockey's a dangerous sport, but I want to see more girls come and play, and then that will obviously grow to create more organizations that will open up the game for women's hockey. Do you think if more schools offered women's hockey, um, we would we would see an increase in youth women players? For sure. Uh, one more question about your uh, college commitment process. Who Who was a part of that? decision-making process with you who um, else is helping you make that decision um me and my family and how instrumental were they in first selecting the idea of going to providence and then obviously ohio state came calling and that was a dream of yours so how, how did how instrumental were mom and dad in they, the decision they were proud of me for obviously choosing providence first but then following my dreams and going to osu i mean any dad and, or mom seeing their kid go to OSU is a dream come true coming from Ohio. Absolutely. So what, what do you, I know it's very uh, early in the, your process. I mean, heck you're not there yet. Have you given any thought to what you want to study? Um, yes. Um, I want to go into either business or accounting. Oh, crunch those goal numbers. I like it. I know, where you're, <laughs> I know where you're going with that. I know where you're going. All right, Lana. Hey, gee, thank you for uh, joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Good luck the rest of the way. Good luck this year with the U19s. And then obviously moving forward to be a, a Buckeye. We definitely are going to follow you. Um, uh, you know, stay close to the pro, uh, to the podcast. Um, when you're down in Columbus, we might uh, reach back out to you and, and have you come on and talk. Perfect. Thank you so much for having me. This period of the Ohio Hockey Digest on-air podcast is brought to you by the United States Premier Hockey League. The USPHL had more than 1,200 alumni playing college hockey last year and more than 250 playing pro hockey, including in the NHL. Now, with six teams in the Ohio Hockey Digest covering area, there has never been more opportunity for hockey players from Ohio to start working their way up the junior hockey ladder. Learn more at usphl.com. Well, it was a quick one, but it was a good talk with Elena uh, Gianpietro uh, from Gilmore Academy and and. Man, I tell you, I think what I like best about that conversation with that young lady was the fact that she kind of admitted that she went she kind of went through the process too quick. And uh, um, not saying that that Providence isn't a bad school or a bad hockey program, which it's not. But she really wanted to go to Ohio State. She had it in her head. And, but at that time, her end of her sophomore year, going to her junior year, she hadn't she didn't hear from Ohio State. Um, she has this unbelievable summer. Uh she probably, you know, matured a little bit on the, on the ice, got, got honed in on her game and boom, here comes the Buckeyes. So I, I think that her talking about that is, is, is profound because we don't need to rush things uh, when it comes to making decisions, when you have time, you know, there's a lot of time. As a friend of ours always says, uh, everyone's in a rush to go nowhere. Right. However, I understand 
you know, you're, you're the lure of, you know, you want to play hockey at the next level and a place comes calling. And I'm not going to say the first place, because obviously she read off an impressive list of schools that were interested and she had interest as well. And she, I don't want to say she jumped at the first chance because I'm sure there were more, but she chose a place and not thinking that the dream school was coming. And, you know, like you said, Sally, a, a little bit of maturity, a little bit of time goes by, you know, she was obviously wasn't sitting and waiting. She went out there and put herself in a five goal performance and nationals. And here comes the school you've always wanted to go to calling. Hey man, that that's hat one had to be a hard decision. And cause nobody ever wants to let anyone down, but two, you have to follow your heart and you have to follow your dreams. But what did she do? Jay, she, she made a decision that was best for her and her family. There was a truck on the highway and had a rooster <laughs> dead off the side of it. I don't even know if I'm even here today. No, no, no but, you're hundred percent right. Right. And, and you know, I'm sure the people of Providence were probably disappointed. I don't think they were mad at her. I, I'm sure that they're, they're not, there's no hate mail. No, just, just going on a limb here. You know, no, they're, they're not frying her on social media or anything no. for making a decision that best helps her and her family. Are you kidding me? I mean, if that was the case, Twitter would be much more exciting this year with all the guys that are using the free portal to jump from team to team. I mean, but well, the fires are probably psyched. Yeah. One of our recruits got five goals at nationals and all this. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hey coach, can I talk to you? <laughs> ah. You got a minute. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Coach and I don't know. I don't know the women's <clears throat> college game as well as I should, but it seemed like those schools she rattled off all really good academics. Um, there weren't any big 10 school or WCHA schools in there. So maybe she was a late bloomer and wasn't quite on that radar screen yet. Right. And then obviously after her performance at nationals uh, gets the invite from USA hockey and some interest from Ohio state. So, well, you know, too, they have, have uh, a good showing at those festivals and, yeah. and the select camps. I mean, there's, as, as we've talked about, and as we've heard a million times, there's always someone watching and someone can always find you. They will. Sure. Doesn't matter where you're at. They will find you. And it's, it's exciting that, that, I mean, the Ohio state women's team is top five in the nation year in, year out. And they now have two Ohio girls right. playing on the team. That's, that's pretty exciting. Right. No, that was a heavy, heavy list of schools that she rattled yeah. off there. I mean, that very impressive. And, uh, you know, again, like I said, when we were talking to her, the, you're not rattling those schools off unless you're doing what you're supposed to be doing in the classroom as well. Right. You know, true. so true. So, well, thank you again to uh, Elena. Uh, GM Petro for joining us this week. We will be taking Labor Day off next week, but after that, we will be speaking with the new head coach of the ACHA Division I team at Kent State University, Zach Noah. Check www.ohiohockeydigest.com for the full lineup of upcoming events. Continuing to grow the game as the best we can. This is On Air, the Ohio Hockey Digest podcast.